I almost feel like we don't need a sermon today after those two songs. Um, I, they uh, just go so well with the idea of what we're going to look at. But it's this, it's this idea, if you look at the words, uh, waymaker, sometimes, I don't, I don't know, I assume everyone's in the same boat, sometimes it feels like there's not really a way, a way to get through something, a way to get out of something. Uh, it's, it's just tough, and it feels like we're stuck. Um, miracle worker. I, to, to think that, you know, I, I think there's no way, but I don't know if anyone else has done this. Have you ever thought back of things you had prayed for 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago? And uh, sometimes I do, I'll, I'll pray for something, not 50 years ago, because I couldn't have done that, but, but I'll, I'll pray for something, and then, um, and then I'll, you know, maybe pray for it for a while, and I'll just stop, because like, okay, um, I'm, it's not so bad now, or I'm through it, or, or there wasn't really an answer, and, uh, and then I'll forget about it. And then, but if you look back, like 20, 30 years ago, and you think, the things I, I prayed for this, and it happened, but I actually never, I kind of just forgot about it. I forgot that I had prayed for it in the first place, um, and God worked in some way promise keeper, to, to think, you know, uh, the song after, um, take it to the Lord in prayer. Well, how can we do that? How can we trust him? He's a promise keeper. If you look, we look at the cross, we look at the resurrection, uh, we look at the empty tomb, we look at our risen Savior, uh, he, he, he came through. You look back and look in the Old Testament and read through some of the prophecies. You can just Google it, prophecies that have been fulfilled in the Bible. Look back at it, things that were said, and then six, eight hundred years later, they came true. He, he, he's, he's, uh, he, he honor, he's faithful. He, he comes through. He's a promise keeper. And so we're going to talk about prayer this morning. And even if I said I don't need to preach because of those songs, I'm still going to because I just want to talk, you know. But, um, but it's this idea of prayer. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in June of 2022 that a Washington high school football coach was improperly fired for praying with his players after games. Uh, that was just one of the, the many high court cases involving the question of, is prayer allowed on public grounds? I mean, is, is, it, is it acceptable? Is it okay? Um, the idea, though, was forgotten not long ago. It was January 2nd of this year, and uh, it happened about nine minutes in a, into a football game, uh, the Buffalo Bills against the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin, I, I don't know if a lot of you probably remember it, it was, uh, it was after a routine tackle, he stood up, and then he collapsed. Uh, the emergency medical staff delivered CPR. The game was suspended. And then suddenly prayer was back on the list. Now it's okay to talk about prayer. Paycor Stadium, where the, where the Bengals play, is owned by Hamilton County, so it's public property. But I, don't, I didn't hear of anyone say, well, we, we probably shouldn't pray. We might offend someone. They just prayed. Um, it was uh, it was at midfield. The players would would uh, would uh, kneel down and start praying. That 24 year old, uh, he he didn't just like start to have problems and and crouch down. I mean, he he collapsed. It was shocking for anyone who saw it. Um, but the players knelt and prayed. The commentators, instead of just saying, "Well, our thoughts are with him," it was all of a sudden now our thoughts and prayers uh, are are here for this guy. Um, fans from both teams went to Cincinnati Medical Center uh, to pray for him. Prayer was everywhere. Top-level coaches and, and players, former and present, and social media, it was all over, posted the appeals. Pray for DeMar. Former quarterback Dan or Orlovsky discussing the game on ESPN. I haven't seen this uh, on any uh, sports coverage, you know, national sports coverage for a long time. It was kind of unthinkable, um, but he, he, he bowed his head and he prayed. Uh, with two other commentators, the prayer concluded and all of them said, Amen. You could tell that they meant it. We're going to talk about prayer, 
And, and I know it seems like a simple idea, uh, but it's also a pretty hard idea. And so we've been, we've been going through our series through the parables, and these are stories that Jesus told for a reason. And so we come to, it's uh, Luke chapter 18, and just like many of the parables, he says first who it's, or it says first who it's to, and why he told this parable. And so Luke 18 verse 1 just says this, then Jesus told his disciples, so that's who it's to, anyone who follows Jesus, a parable to show them, and here's the reason, that they should always pray and not give up. So he's going to tell a story, that's why. But right before this, in Luke 17, Jesus talked about the end times. The end's coming. The end, it will be here before you know it. The world will be tough, but don't quit. So then he tells this parable, and I like it, because he, he first tells it, and then he actually tells us what it means, because I'm going to read the next just few verses here, and it's like, what, is that? what does that have to do with prayer? He's going to tell us, fortunately. He doesn't know all of them. Here's what it says, verse 2. He said, in a, ter- a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. It's interesting. He's not a good judge. He doesn't, he doesn't believe in God. He doesn't care what anyone thinks, but he's, he's scared that she's going to attack him. And, uh, and, and I was like, well, wait, what's this have to do with prayer? Well, here we go. Verse 6. The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones and cry out, who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, we find faith on earth. So, go to God and bother him until he answers. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of what I, when when you read it, it's like, well, the, the lady just kept going to him, and and uh, and Jesus says, cry out to him day and night. It, it kind of sounds like you know, I don't want to uh, I don't want to bother with my problems over and over, but it actually says do it. This is where relationships formed. Keep going to him because we trust him. It's a story of prayer and perseverance, not just to do it, but what does it look like? See, we either, I think sometimes we lack time. We don't, I don't have time to pray. I'm too tired. The day is exhausted, and the day is long, and I'm exhausted, and I just want to go to sleep, uh, so we don't have the energy, or maybe we don't have the confidence. Why would I, why would I go to him anyway? I, I've been asking for this for a while, and he didn't answer, and I've been praying about this, and I don't feel like I like the results, so why do we keep going? Well, there was a, a lady named Corey Tenboom. She was a, a victim of a Nazi concentration camp. Well, she, she didn't die. Her sister did. Her parents did. Um, she lost everyone. Um, but she actually made it through it. And she said, she asked this question, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? That's, that's pretty interesting. Is prayer something that we, we use every time we go? You need a steering wheel when you drive. Or is it just there in case of emergencies? This parable is, uh, is Jesus telling his disciples, don't let it just be for emergencies. Use it all the time. But if we really believe there are reasons for praying, we would make time. Uh, not just to pray, but to keep praying. In his uh, New York Times bestselling book, When, uh, when the Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing, uh, Daniel Pink explains the value of being a little behind. 
He says in the world of sports, a team that's ahead at halftime in any sport is more likely than its opponent to win the game. That makes sense. If you're winning at halftime, you're probably going to win the game. And I, I, sh- I think I shared this once before during March Madness years ago. But Jonah Berger of the University of Pennsylvania and Devin Pope of the University of Chicago analyzed first more than 18,000 NBA games, professional basketball, over 15 years. Uh, It's not surprising that teams that were ahead at halftime were won more often than not. But there was an exception to the rule. He He says that teams that were behind by just one point were more likely to win. Being down one at halftime was more advantageous than being up by one. I mean, that's the, it was statistics. It, it's interesting as to why that would happen. Home teams with a one-point deficit at halftime were, uh, had a 58% chance of winning, the same being up by two. So you're down by one at halftime or you're up by two, you, are better, you're gonna win, you have a better chance of winning. If you're, only, if you're up by one, then you have a 52% chance of winning. It doesn't make sense statistically or, or, or logically, but it's, it's a mental thing. They said that uh, they, they went over 10 years worth of NCAA games as well, 46,000 games, found the same effect. Um, the team that came out at halftime would always start out strong. Um, I share this because there may be times in life where you feel like you're way behind. Like, there's just nothing, there's no, there's no possible solution to this. I'm just going to have to just, just live with it. And, and, and maybe there are some things that happen that we have to work through, uh, but that doesn't just mean that we, well, I'm just going to live my life and that's going to be a part of it. How can we use that? How can we use that to love someone else? How can we use that for God's glory? How can we use that to share our lives with other people who are probably dealing with the same thing? Because if we really look around and we start to ask questions and get to know people, it's very interesting how often someone else is going through the same thing that you're going through or have gone through the same thing that you went through. But other times, we're not way behind. We're just a little behind. We're just one behind. You know, we're just, just a little bit. I think that's the woman in this story. I think she could have felt like she was way behind, but she was just a little behind. You know, you know why I think she was just a little behind? Because she didn't give up. She kept going to the judge over and over again. If, she was, if you're way behind, you lose hope and you're just done. You just I'm, I'm, Forget about this. This woman, she, was, she hadn't given up yet. The story is, is about power and injustice. Verse 2, he said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. There was a widow in the town that kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice. He refused for some time. I, I want to focus on the woman here first. She is suffering from injustice. She's, she's behind. We, just, we know that much. Um, we don't know the situation, but we can, we can really get a good idea. See, at the time, women could not go to the judge unless they had no one to go for them. They had to have, if they had a living man in their life, what I mean is a father, a husband, or a son, to go to the judge on their behalf, that's who would go. And so when we read that she went to the judge, that means that, uh, that her father's not living, her husband is, is deceased, um, or, or gone in some way, and, and she doesn't have a son. So she has no one to look after her. This was a culture where she needed someone to look after her. It's possible that the woman just lost her husband, um, and now someone's trying to take her estate, Um, but the woman is at the hands of a powerful judge who doesn't really care about her. Bribery was a a big deal at the time. Um, She probably was out on that too. This woman had very little chance of winning. This story matters today because the world's still full of injustice. 
uh, in our homes, uh, you might be experiencing some form of injustice. At your workplace, you might be experiencing some form of injustice. In the community, at school, um, we, we see it everywhere. The world is full of injustice. There's a, a group called International Justice. It's a Christian ministry that uh, works to free the victims of human trafficking. And Gary Hogan, he's, he's the leader of it. He says that there's, there's kind of this, this rule, and it's, he doesn't base it off of, he says it's 1570-15, but it's just his, his, uh, his thought process. He didn't actually do the research. He, he thinks that um, when there's any kind of uh, injustice, whether it's through um, the court system or in other countries where there's a lot more bribery and injustice and you know, all, the, all the political stuff, he, he said that there's probably 15% of the people uh, wake up every day and they want to just uh, abuse anyone to, for their own gain. And he said that he thinks there's probably 15% of the people who wake up and they want to do good. I mean, they want to fight it and they'll do anything they can. They don't care if, if, they're in, if they suffer for it. But he said he thinks there's probably 70% that just go with whoever's winning. And I thought, what about in our, in our church, in our community, um, in our country? Are most people just kind of going along with whoever has the most power or whoever is the loudest? Or, or are we fighting uh, for what's right? See, that's, that's really important in this story. I know it was just one woman, but she was fighting against injustice because she felt it. We don't feel it. We don't see it. It's not, I, I don't feel injustice right now, so why would I worry about your problem? I'm just going to just go along with it. I think that's what happens sometimes. The widow was looking for the judge to stand up for her, but it says for some time he refused. This is a story of selfishness on one side and determination on the other. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. The judge is only worried about the widow leaving him alone, and she doesn't. And so this is Jesus saying, pray, keep praying, don't quit praying. Why? Because this is a story of a good and faithful God. The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? The judge is bad, but guess what? The widow still get ju gets justice in the story. God is good. It, it, in this story, he doesn't actually say it, but he says, if this is the bad judge and this is what happens, what do you think happens with God? Inferring that he's a, a good judge. We will get justice. Now, verse 8, this is where it throws the curveball for me. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. That's tough, quickly. What does quickly look like? Some people have experienced justice for maybe a, a couple years. Some, some people have experienced injustice for, for 50 plus years. Uh, and so when I read this, I, I really want to think about this. I, I, know, I know some people have lived in relationships that have, have uh, hurt them for most of their lives. The world maybe hasn't been good to you for a long time, and, and it feels like things aren't going to get worse, and, and I don't know what to do, and no one else does either. And we say, I've been praying about this for a long time. And he says, don't stop. Because remember, for some time, he refused. For some time, her prayers weren't answered. For some time, the relationship was strained. For some time, she didn't quit. Don't quit either. I've heard the idea that we shouldn't quit because things are hardest right before the breakthrough. I don't know what that looks like. 
quickly. She gets justice quickly, or we get justice quickly. But for some time, what's that look like? What's the number? Does that mean if you pray for something for a year, it'll be fine? Everything will be all better after that? Or, or five years or ten years? What's the number? Well, where's the breakthrough going to happen? I don't know. And I don't know how to prove it. I don't know that, that if you just stay in it a little longer, it's going to be all better. But we have some good examples in the Bible. We can read about people like Noah and Joseph and Daniel and Paul, who probably if it was any of us, we would have abandoned God long before, uh, before the breakthrough happened, before the good happened. I mean, who wants to build an ark for years and everyone, you know, everyone's mocking him and laughing at him? And then the breakthrough happened. Uh, who, who wants to stay in prison like Joseph for, for years? And, and, and God's faithful? Or, or, or uh, get fed to the lions, thrown into a lion's den? Or like Paul, beaten over and over and over again? He's being faithfully serving God. Shouldn't God be, shouldn't he have his back? Shouldn't he be doing something? I think many of us would have quit. And then there was a breakthrough. I want to be there for the breakthrough. Walt Disney was fired as a young man from his newspaper job because he lacked good ideas. Uh, it's funny when you think about it now, but it wasn't at the time for him. See, he started his first an an animation company in 1921, but that went bankrupt. bankrupt. He ended up eating dog food, literally dog food, to survive. If you were eating dog food because of your failure of your first animation company, wouldn't you kind of think, well, maybe I'm not that good? But he started another he had to restart several times before, uh, before he had his breakthrough. Henry Ford um, left his long-term comfortable job in 1989 to establish the Detroit Automobile Company. You haven't heard of it, probably, uh, with $150,000 of investors' money. Now, that was in 1989. I didn't do the inflation rate, but it has to be a lot. A little over a year later, it went bankrupt. Somehow, investors still had faith in Ford and invested in the Henry Ford Company in 1901. We didn't, we probably, you probably haven't heard about that one either because it also went bankrupt. So he lost all of his investors' money twice, and he tried again. And then there was the Ford Motor Company in 1903. Five years later, the company became successful with the release of the Model T, the invention of the assembly line. Oh, I read I just got a text, uh, 1889, not 1989. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. <laughs> Looking out for me. You guys knew what I meant anyway. Don't, oh, I can't say anything without getting corrected. <laughs> just don't record this. <laughs> so if God is so faithful, uh, why, is he, why is he taking so long? I wanted to come back to this. What does quickly mean? Well, Psalm 90, 4-6 says, A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like new grass in the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. Problems will come and go, but God's redemptive plan is underway. Jesus offered reconciliation with, with God. God has done his part, and he will continue to do so. There's, there's a big reason, though, why we're still living in this world. I share this passage all the time, not when I'm preaching very much, but just in conversation. Um, but this is why we're still here and why we're living in an unjust world. It's 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9, and 8 is a repeat of what I just read in Psalm 90. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Now think about that timing, because sometimes we think, well, if I would just keep praying for them, and they would get through this, or I want to pray for this person's salvation, and they haven't accepted Jesus yet, and it's been a long time, and it's probably never going to happen, and, and, and it's just so long, I don't know why. 
The timing here is not the same. God's timing and our timing. But verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Thank you. I needed to hear that. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That means that person that you're thinking of, that you've been praying for, that you want them to know Jesus, God wants them to know too, and that's why we're still here. That's why he hasn't come back and, and, and taken us away. To the one who needs just another day, maybe another year, to know, to know Jesus, it's being offered right now. To your child, your sibling, your parent, your friend, to someone who needs to hear the gospel, you have another day to share it. You have, a, you have another day that, you, that, that he's giving you to go and share the gospel, the love of Jesus with that person. We, we should thank God for not ending it today. We can, we can get through a little, a little pain and suffering. We have another chance to share the gospel with someone that we love. This is a story of you. He finishes the, this, whole, this whole parable and, and the commentary on it. Jesus says, however, or it says, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a, that's a question for us. The whole parable is about God being faithful and we need to stop doubting and we, we can look to the cross and the empty tomb and the risen Savior and we can believe. But the question now is, am I being faithful? Am I taking that extra day or month or year and am I sharing the gospel with someone who needs to hear it? Am I doing my part? When Jesus comes back, is he, is he going to say, yeah, Casey, you were faithful. There were a lot of people that needed to hear the gospel and you shared it. I don't know. Maybe I haven't done enough. To, uh, maybe I haven't shared enough. You know, maybe there's, maybe there's more people. Make a list of five people. Who can I pray for? Who can I share the gospel with? Okay, you get through that. Maybe you've shared it with three or five, and three of them accepted, and two were like, find five more people. You have another day. We, we have this time to use it. Uh, or we can, we can look at this story, and we can say, am I more like the judge in this story or the widow? That's, no one wants to be the widow in this story, but we need to be. The judge was self-centered, he was living for comfort. He was living in fear. The only reason he did things is because of himself. The widow, though, was helpless, but she was courageous. She was persistent. She was living with hope. It, it wasn't a hopeful situation, but she did not lose hope. The judge do it all on his own. Who cares what, what happens to other people? But the widow, she had no hope except for hope in the only person that she knew that could do something about it. That was the judge in this story, the one with the power. That is the power that we see, the power that we see in our God who can, who can save us, who is willing, who, that breakthrough that happened, the darkest moment. We're going to come up to Good Friday, and we're going to look at how Jesus died on the cross. And his followers, they, they watched it happen, and you know what they did? They went back to their old lives because they lost hope, because they didn't know what was about to happen. They didn't know there was this breakthrough. We know about a breakthrough. We get to see this story that even death can't stop our God. That's powerful. That's who we put our hope in. This same power that raised Jesus from the dead is offered to you and me through the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to finish with just a couple of things here. Stay faithful to Jesus and don't quit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every story of hope, of, uh, of, of faithfulness, of you coming through. I, I thank you that you are uh, willing to, um, to give us a chance, to give us a way, to give us a second chance. It doesn't feel like we deserve second chances, and we, we probably have uh, wasted 
the, the second chance and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and, and, and maybe we're wasting an opportunity right now. God, I, I thank you that you love us, that you have mercy on us, and that you show grace, that even when we're not perfect, you would still, while we were sinners, you would still send your son to die for us. I thank you for your love. I thank you for the power uh, when we lose all hope that we can look back and we can see where you've come through. And so I ask for your blessing on every one of us that we can uh, just hold on a little bit longer as we go through any challenges and share this love with, with other people as well. We thank you for Jesus, and it's his name we pray. Amen.